not for everyone. So we have. Uh, we have yeah, you want to tell them you're going to pretend they're not there? Unsuspected. <laughs> no, no. Unsuspected visitor. So I just want to explain. Uh, Saturday meeting is based mostly on this idea of non-duality, or in Buddhism, it would be captured by anatta, non-self. Yeah. And so we'll riff a little bit about that. And uh, let's wait a little bit for uh, Z and stuff. But so the idea of self, let's say, you know, let's say Ramana Maharshi and non-duality used in India, self means everything, the whole Godhead, so to speak, big S self. Yeah, where we talk of it in the terms of recovery, small s self. Now, just so that you, when we say self, we're not talking about ego. Ego is something that there's a feeling you have and, or you, and you want to lose or you lose it. But what is that feeling that thinks they have an ego and can lose an ego? It's representing one idea, which is self. Yeah. So I'm the one who has an ego and I'll be the one who loses the ego. So to, we're not talking about ego. We're talking about that sense of ownership. Yeah. And it's simply, it's suggested by the head and then reinforced. So basically, you know, the basis of the day is the way I use conscious contact isn't what, how AA uses it, I don't think. But to me, conscious contact is consciousness and contact. Yeah. The seeing, the hearing, the feeling, the tasting, the touching. Yeah. And in Buddhism, they throw a sixth sense, which is sensing or noticing thoughts and, you know, feelings and stuff in that, you know, reviewing stuff up there. So if you look at basically they're seeing, yeah, like we wake up and then they're seeing the rest of the day, if you have the eyes to see, hearing the same thing, right? You're asleep and then you wake up and you hear noises and then you're just going to hear, there's going to be a lot of hearing all day. There's going to be not as much uh, smelling, hopefully, and feeling and, and uh, tasting, but basically that's consciousness and contact. Yes. So they're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Now, what we're putting out there is there's a mental activity. It, it wasn't happening when you were a baby. When you were a baby, when seeing was happening, there was no feeling of being the seer of it. Yeah. There was no sense of you at all, you know, for the first like 12 to 18 months, basically, they say. So this the brain developed and it developed this idea and this story and it uses everything that it comes in contact with through consciousness in contact to claim uh, there's a someone so it even does it with the conscious contact so when they're seeing and seeing can be the eyes that's one of the senses but most of the time when we're speaking about seeing it's awareness you know there's awareness or the third eye or the eye that's independent of the body's eyes, yeah? So when they're seeing, that's that, <laughs> yeah? We see from the seeing the activity that implies the seer. So you finally see what you used to look from, yeah? See, most people are looking from the idea 
that they're the seer, the thinker, the doer, the feeler, the taster, the touch. Yes. And all of those attributes are represented by an image, the body. So the body is pictured as you, but the you that it's picturing isn't really the body. It's the being the seer, the hearer, the feeler, the taster, the toucher. Because the body really, without that animation, it's inert. Yes. Yeah. So we're mixing up the animating quality with what's being animated, which is the object of the body. Yeah. And so we're living in a, a narration all day that the attributes of spirit, let's say, or awareness or consciousness is attributed to the body to the point that we believe we're the one who's conscious. Yes. As if we're something else and one of the things we can be is conscious, but we are this body and then I'm conscious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you just look at it, it's an insane uh, leap into uh, because basically the sense of living is living. The ING, the seeing, the hearing, the feeling, the tasting, the touching, the doing, the thinking. Yeah. This idea that all of that represents a thinker, a seer, a doer, a feeler is a leap. Yeah. That's reinforced constantly by what we're listening to all day, which is the narration of a life called Lily's or Paul's. And Paul is seen as the subject of that life, but is pictured as an object, yeah, a body, which is what non-duality is basically negating. It's negating this subject object idea. See, it's a non means not, duality means two. Yeah. Now, it's a very, it's a unique little proposition because you don't run into, like we share lately here, non-Buddhism or non-Catholicism or non-Judaism. Yeah, it's just Judaism, Buddhism, Catholicism. Why, would, why does this have a non to it? Yeah, it could have been just oneness. Yeah, but it not it it doesn't go there because it saw a problem. It actually represents the statement of a negation of something. Represents the activity of that something that needs to be negated. Yeah. So you as a two, if you keep hearing about one, you're framing the one with a two. Yeah. So this is negating the two, basically. It's questioning: Am I this long-lasting, independent, separate entity? Am I the doer of a lot of stuff? Am I the thinker of all these thoughts? And then uh, if you've had the experience of active addiction, active alcoholism, you know, you would come into AA meetings, recovery meetings. And, you know, I felt a huge terminal uniqueness when I was there, uh, thick as hell. And I was completely, I had, it was, I was in a state of abject faith that these thoughts were private. No one had my thoughts. No one had my feelings and no one did the shit I did. Yeah. Yet when I heard, went to recovery, I heard a lot of people share thoughts, feelings and what they did. And they sure sounded like mine. Yeah. So I, that was the first, uh, when one of the rings of hell, so to speak, moved. Yeah, and there was space. I saw the, they were alcoholic thoughts. That was the first step. I saw a large swath of what's going through the ticket tape, you know, was uh, alcoholic thoughts. They weren't mine. I wasn't generating them. I was noticing them and I was taking them to be mine. 
And therefore I was reacting to them as if they were real. And I responded with a behavior that jackpotted me even more. Yeah, so false evidence appearing real was the basic condition I was in. Yeah, the head was presenting a lot of false evidence. I was actually the emblem of false evidence, this non-existent thing being the subjectivity. Yeah, and therefore I swallowed a lot of shit that wasn't true. Yes, yeah which drove me the drink, really. And my main modus operandi since a young age was, no matter how it was presented, was basically self trying to get out of self. Paul wanted to escape Paul, really. And uh, I could have had other moments, but basically the broad theme would have captured it well, self can't get out of self. Now, why was self trying to get out of self? This one aspect of self wasn't, it was called Paul. And Paul made total sense to get out of self because self seemed to be what was driving Paul crazy. Unbeknownst to Paul, it was actually self. Yeah, so self trying to get out of self. Hey guys, come and get these seats here. They're higher up, yeah. Yeah, so self can't get out of self what generates that is a mistaken identification. Yes, obviously, yeah. You're trying to get out of something that you're not in as that thing you're not in. So good luck, basically, that's what happens. So uh, yeah, you all right there? I'll bring it in, yeah. I think Chris, you can come back. I don't think anyone else is coming. Did he? Oh yeah, he's the valet parking. So we're just sharing with Lily. Lily was at this event we were at after the talk last week about recovery and the idea of self and stuff. So I'm just, you know, sharing with her the understanding I hold about non-duality, which is uh, a negation of that assumption that we live from, basically. And, and so the emphasis isn't changing our behavior so much. We have AA to do that, is to see whose behavior is it, yeah? Because the behavior is being claimed to, to imply it's yours, and that's the bondage of self, yeah? The behavior doesn't bond you, the mental state does. The mental state bonds you to the idea of being the one who did the behavior, yeah? This is what's being negated. So non-duality doesn't have, in my feeling, it doesn't have much to say about morals and ethics and changing this and doing that. It has to do with just questioning this sense of being the subject, you know, because the head completely is implying we have a lot to do with a lot of shit we have nothing to do with, really, literally, yeah? So you would think it would be easy uh, to see th thinking, let's say, as a subtle process, and look at the crude process of the muscle of the heart beating. We never say I'm beating my heart, never, do we? But yes, we think we're the thinking of these thoughts, which is a much subtler process. <laughs> and if you are the thinker of the thoughts and you've thought so many of them, tell me how you do it. I'd love to see it. I love to see, I love to see you before any thought and then getting into the groove, getting ready to think, think and then boom, yeah? You can't because, you have, no, you have no idea what's going on. You, you notice the thoughts, you don't realize the thoughts 
have been injected with a lot of meaning. Yeah. You, it, you hit the pinata of thought and all this shit comes out and you wonder why, why do I have so many ideas of something I never even met in this life? And I had this experience. Uh, it was, when I was 19, I met a spiritual teacher or a group. The guru was hiding in India, but these, his teachers came to America and they, we got initiated into a form of meditation called knowledge. Yes, I was 19 years old. I was at the electric circus in East Village of New York City. So I, as uh, soon as I get initiated, I start meditating. I'm in this group and they're all waiting for this guru to come, a young kid. I didn't know the family had a guru franchise and he had been appointed the new guru from the dying father. He leapfrogged over the three older brothers, which didn't make them that happy. And the mother, which didn't make her that happy. So this 11 year old kid was the guru and he was presented as the Lord of the universe. Yeah, now that's a pretty big title. So when he, I was meditating, I loved the meditation. I loved satsangs they had. And then I liked the service and then he showed up and I had a real problem with him. I didn't like the Lord of the universe. And it's like, and I had tons of ideas of how the Lord of the universe should be, how I should be, how they should be, you know what I mean? Where did I get those ideas? They didn't come from a living experience. I had never met any Eastern religion at all. I grew up a Catholic, yeah? But as soon as there was a meeting of a situation, tons of programmable downloads occurred and drove me fucking crazy. I was stuck in the old class song should I stay or should I go? I wanted to leave, but who leaves the Lord of the universe? It's a very bad move on the spiritual karma Richter scale. You know, something's going to happen to me if I leave the Lord of the universe. And the only way that I could give myself permission to leave basically was getting loaded again. So I started doing drugs again. And, uh, and the funny thing is, I went back to a meeting one night of these people in Long Island, I hadn't been there in a couple of years and I'd gone pretty much down the tubes, not thinking I was, thought I had it going on, you know? So I decided I could feel something terminal was, you know, hap gonna happen. So I wanted to re-engage. I went to the meeting and my head told me, you don't feel connected with these people. And I, on the way home, I stopped at a bar, went back to my sister's house, thought a big, party had erupted at the bar. No one had showed up. It was freezing cold Sunday night. Drove back to the bar and I got run over by a car twice, which is hard to do. If you, you know, even if you worked at it, it's hard to do. So I got run over and this is only after a few <laughs> weeks of seeing my old Tai Chi teacher. And he told us the class that something's going to happen and I get run over. So I felt like it, I left the Lord of the universe. I get run over twice. Oh, whatever. But you see, where did those thoughts come from? I had never met a guru, never met, never meditated, didn't know anything about devotion and shit like that, but I had thousands of thoughts about it. Yes. Where do they come from? You're not obviously the originator of it. Yeah. Your what gets moved by them. Yeah. So it's almost like an algorithm. One thought shows up, ding. You, there's an interest in that thought and then a fucking avalanche of thoughts come. Yeah. And then you get a caught in this obsession with self. Yeah. Which is 
the bondage of self is this identification as the doer, the thinker, the feeler. The obsession with self is the ad nauseum devotion to hearing all this shit about you all day, really. This is the disease that drives us to drink, yes? And the funny thing is, self can't get out of self. So where's the bond? Where's the relief from the bondage of self? It's not really after the bondage of self, it's before the bondage of self. And that relief is readily available at all times, right where we are, no matter what we think. Because all the requirements are on our side. But if you're willing to give up the ghost, there it is. Yeah, I got struck sober. I didn't get sober. I got struck sober. Something intervened, uh, took out that radioactive isotope, uh, and didn't leave me like that because it would have regrouped probably the problem, but had me introduced to recovery that night. And I had no idea or interest of it. I hadn't thought about it ever yet. And yet there I was and matching that, that download with a way of life it's extended for 33 years. Yeah, I've been sober without much effort or thought because I haven't had a thought, a strong thought or feeling to get loaded ever since that moment. Yeah, not bad for a solution. Yeah. And then, I mean, with that platform that sobriety gave me, I had the opportunity, you know, I wasn't trying to constantly pull my ass out of myself and it wasn't on survival mode. I could entertain other ideas like Buddhism and stuff like that. And then they led me to this idea of non-duality. They didn't, but life led me. And, uh, yeah, more was revealed, like uh, it says in our book this power is going to constantly reveal to you and me a lot of stuff. And it did. I revealed to me, I was reading this sentence in the big book, page 64, because I had the privilege of leading a lot of fourth step workshops for a long time. And uh, it's very, very clear. And the sense of self is this idea of being the owner of this living that's occurring. Yes. So it said being convinced, which means to believe with certainty. Yeah. So being like a present tense condition, being convinced self, yeah, manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. So he makes an incredible distinction between self and us. Yeah. Where most people are living without, with a very blurred distinction of self and us. <laughs> it's very... So this was like a chasm in the Grand Canyon, never to be bridged. I saw self as other completely, which was, I didn't, you know, I didn't come to it by inches. It was just, you know, other like that. It wasn't like, oh, maybe it's other. I just saw it as other. Yeah. And it's never changed since then. Yeah. So I saw self as other. And then as soon as I did, a possibility showed up. What was that possibility? I can be free from it. Yeah, all right. It didn't stop there. More shit came in and it told me in a flash, it was almost like a, like a lighthouse spotlight over years of life in a second, like scanning very quickly. 
So let's say scanning 30 years, but in like a second. So the scan, and basically I saw in one form or another, I was trying to get out of self as self. I was identified as that which was defeating me. What? <laughs> yeah. And so that's never changed since that occurred. So then I looked at, all right, well, what this program is asking me to do is to do an inventory on the manifestations of self in my life. Why am I calling them mine? Yeah. So if the one, the major one, we're going to look at some of the common manifestations of this foreign activity. One of them is resentment and then fear and then harming others in the pursuit of what you want. So you look at the sexual arena, but yeah. So I started to see, yeah, there's resentments, but they're not my resentments, yeah. There's anxiety. I found a huge difference between fear and anxiety. I don't feel most people are in fear. Most people are in anxiety. It mimics the sense or the effects of fear, but it's not fear. You're not responding to an apparent threat you're responding to what's not happening, which is telling you you're going to be fucked next week or you were. Yeah. And it has the ability to override now, like all day. It's amazing. Yeah. So I saw, all right. And I remember when I was led to do this inventory process and recovery, I walked in with my resentments and I left with my resentments. Yeah. I walked in with my fear. I left with my fear. I don't want to see that anymore in the community I'm in. I don't. I want to see people walk in with their, their resentments and then see that they're not their resentments anymore. Because that's where the freedom lies. Yeah. If you're identified as the resenter, you're going to have tons of resentments. Yeah. <laughs> Just what happens. You know what I mean? You don't, and if you own the thoughts, the thoughts have the opportunity to own you. Yeah. A thought cannot ruin your day. Your thought can. Yeah. Your thought. A thought hold as, held as yours can ruin your day. A thought can ruin your day. Who's participating in that yours? Not the thought. The thought's a thought. Yeah. There's an activity going on that's using our juice and misdirecting it and, and just injecting a lot of life into an interpretation of living as the liver, the seer, the feel, the doer, the taste, the toucher. Yeah? Oh, to me, that's slavery, really. Yeah? Because it still plays God in your head. It tells you, and this is one of the big statements in, a, in this book called Recovery, you gotta quit playing God, so obviously, He's implying you're playing God, right? Because if you weren't, why would he say, first things first, you got to quit playing God. So wait, I didn't know what, that's what was going on. Maybe I should look at it. So look at the head. Yeah. And let's say you woke up today and the head casually tells you how sucky the day's going to be. You know, I'm not going to the beach. That's the only way I can feel any good. I'm not getting in the water. The whole day's going to suck. What is that but playing God? Yeah? Something's playing God. So, all right. This is the primary movement. It's in, in AA's a linear program. 
And the big, big principle of recovery is surrender or turning one's life and will over to the care of something. But it's preceded by something called first, which is quit playing God. So in a way, the playing God is more important than the third step. Because if you don't see that which is playing God, that thing that's playing God is going to play God with the third step. And it's going to be a transactional deal. You'll surrender shit unless you don't want to or you want something more and they'll take it back. Yes, it's like a little, it's, it's like a deal now. <laughs> it's not a surrender. So, so it's simple. Quit playing God. So unbeknownst to you, what's talking as you to you is what's playing God. Yes. All right. It now reads that sentence. And as that which is playing God, seen as you, it says, all right, I'm going to have to quit playing God. Now, watch what happens when that which is playing God tries to quit playing God. Isn't that playing God ad nauseum, ad infinitum? Yeah? It can't get out can't get out of the act of playing God because every move or any non-move it makes is playing God so where is the relief not through that mechanism but to see it's not your mechanism that which isn't playing God that which is playing God isn't you yes and then there's a loss of interest in that which is playing God which is this idea of self and there's a gaining of interest and that's the joy of it. You're going to find out. No one can write out how it's going to look when you, when there's a gaining un interest in other people and what you can contribute to life. It may be the, the, the uh, time space landscape called your life from then on. Yeah. You'll find out something is happening that you had no idea could ever happen. Yeah? And it's not, you're not the engine of it. You're not the source of it. You're not the cause of it. So it puts you into a very good posture for an action figure to be in, which is humility. Yes, You see something's doing for you what you can't do for yourself. You're not trying to put on humility like a cloak. You arrive at it by just telling the truth. You just see. Yeah, you see what's going on. And you see that something's doing for me what I can't do for myself. So let's just expand on what I can't do for myself. Yeah, that's it. So this is a diagnosis that I did not come up with. It came through. And since a long time, I've been putting it out into the community of recovery. And uh, the effort of doing that, we put, got a website so that because uh, I had already been neutralized in my own community here by being called fourth step Paul, Buddha Paul, non-self Paul, no one was really hearing me anymore. So I said, well, there's got to be people in AA somewhere that would be interested in this idea. So we got a website, zenbisslap.com, probably a mistake career-wise, but it captured a feeling that I have. So the zenbitslap.com went out and then people got in touch with me from outside of recovery. And I started to see spiritual addiction, yes? Which is captured beautifully by a statement by Ramana Maharshi, the godfather of non-duality now. And uh, he says very clearly in a lot of different ways and in, in all the people who wrote about his teachings, 
he says the same thing in different ways and and it's usually prefaced with the problem or the greatest mystery so it's a rather important thing and he says there's this presupposing of a non-existent thing being you really yeah yes this is the non-existent thing and it's being presupposed to be you all happening in the head and then being presupposed to be you it wants to get salvation for the non-existent thing yeah i want to be there to get the experience of my own absence that's not available by the absence yeah <laughs> so he says if this is the case yeah so he's just put out a fundamental statement he's saying there's an activity going on in the mental realm there's a presupposing of a non-existent thing being that which is existing yeah he doesn't say that he just says the non-existent thing and then wanting to get salvation for that non-existent thing if that's your if that's the condition you find yourself in hopefully by hearing this your spiritual practices themselves are reinforcing the non-existent thing how can they destroy it this is a very this was an earth-shattering event in my spiritual life it ended seeking like that because it captured exactly what i was doing without knowing it i've been using the buddha to seek the buddha i've been using light to seek light i am that which i'm seeking the seeker is the sword or saint francis what's looking is what you're looking for it doesn't say what's looking after going through 50 arduous herculean challenges becomes what you're looking for it just says what's looking now not who's looking what's looking is what you're looking for pretty good very saves a lot of time and fucking effort doesn't it if you are what you're looking for now instead of the constant spotlight on you as the seeker maybe you'll look at what you're doing and the formulas of all these practices and see if it's a failed system or not yeah there's nothing wrong like for me let's say i have heart problems or high blood pressure so meditation is a good thing to do sitting quietly let's say 15 20 minutes but if i'm sitting for 13 hours i think i'm going somewhere i do i thought i was going to transcend this place as this <laughs> I thank God I pulled the brake on the emergency, you know, at the bus. Because uh, I just didn't see it getting better. Yeah. Because everything was just more. Do it longer, do it more. Da, da, da. And it's just, to me, it's another form of slavery. So when I started going outside to different groups, I saw spiritual addiction as another form of, a, of addiction. I had a, a, a drug and alcohol, let's say, addiction as expressing through this while people were expressing an addiction concerning spiritual seeking. Yeah. And so I would be there <laughs> and they couldn't see it most of the time. You would share about the whole idea and then, and they'd been in a, like this one place I used to go to in North Carolina they would bring you in different people in on the weekend to give different talks. But these people that were there had been there the whole week. 
practicing and meditating. So on Saturday or Sunday, I show up like a little gunslinger. So I'm sharing about this and I feel like, you know, pretty clear presentation. And then one of the people in the group says, can you give me an example of what you're talking about? I voila, yeah, you've been here for a fucking week. <laughs> voila. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So these are just shoes we have. We just put them out. If they fit, wear them because You'll have the you'll have clear spirit behind you. You will. I mean, the big giant foot isn't gonna step on you. Yeah, just see see if a, if things are true or not. Are you that which you're looking for? If you are, yeah. And this is the whole assumption of non-duality is being ourselves reality. He says the greatest mystery, Ramana is reality wanting to attain reality. And then the, the subplot that is being ourselves reality. That's why it's the greatest mystery. Being ourselves reality, we're using reality to find reality because we're assuming we're not reality because we're Paul and I have a lifelong memories and fucking arrest, you know, resume and shit like that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but so that's why non-duality is at least where I'm sitting from. It's a negation of duality, and you and I, as an activity, is captured by the word dualism. Sometimes you're the thinker. Sometimes you're the thought about. Sometimes you're the object that's being thought about. And sometimes you're the thinker of the object called Janice, yeah? So you see yourself as subject and object at the drop of a hat all day. Non-duality is a negation of that, that's all. Very clear. It's not saying, well, how can we get the right balance? No, it's not saying, it's negating it, yeah? It'll find its own balance. Once the reality that it doesn't have is sort of seen from and not given to, it will find its own freaking balance, yeah? You're not gonna not take care of the body. The body's got a programming and you probably, I find the body's health got much better when I stopped thinking it was me, yeah? Because my own vested interest was probably the biggest problem I had. So my hoping for health was based on a real faith that I wasn't healthy. So all the working to get healthy was reinforcing the fact that wasn't a fact that I wasn't healthy. When I lost interest in Paul, I got a whole lot better physically and everything else. Yes, I did. Yeah. And I had a number of those examples where I sort of got the principle. Yes, I saw it. We shared it. I don't think I did it there, that thing, but... I had trouble, I shared it here the other day, but it's such a good one with the biotic, probiotics, you know? I had trouble with digestion for a while, for a long while. And I, first I went with macrobiotics in New York when I was young. What an insane thing. Yeah, and I met the, the founder of it. Uh, he had a, yeah, he was smoking cigarettes. And the only thing I remember is don't eat onions at the end of the little one-in-one. 
but I tried it there and I would go in saunas and I would not sweat because I wasn't drinking any fucking water, just pancha tea. You could sit 220 heat blast, no sweating. So, but my attention was completely on my intestines. Just my head was just focused on that. It was fucking it was hell, really. So later on, it got a little more relaxed, but I had a lot of trouble. So I was, I heard about this new probiotic that came out that doubled the citizenry of the beneficial flora. Instead of like 12 billion, it was like 30 billion. So I, and you buy it at Whole Foods, they little, little like, look like milk glass things, like six of them or eight of them for 40 something bucks. So I buy it, you drink it, you know, I think once or twice a day. And after months, I spent thousands of dollars. I would, you know, I'm starting to see, I think I'm feeling better, but who wouldn't, you know? I don't want to be looked, I spent 2000 for nothing, whatever. And so I decided I'm going to get to the root of it. And there was a place called uh, Smoky Mountain Labs back then, which was very famous. They, you'd send your shit, samples of your shit. They send up your little kit and they send an application and you write down what you want to have looked at. Yeah, parasite, everyone's always afraid of parasites. So parasite, this, 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 this. So I send it away can't wait i get they get in touch with me and i look open it up no parasites fantastic yeah then i look at fourth fifth line beneficial flora uh zero zero point zero 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 absolutely no signs of the beneficial flora after i was putting in like 50 billion of these little migrants beneficial flora into this very small area how could there be no fucking sign of these things yeah. Then I got to the next paragraph. Mr. Hedeman, you have two forms of bacteria that love to feast on beneficial flora. So I basically was a caterer to these two freaking bacterias that could never get out of the, my body. I was bringing them the best shit <laughs> for a year, all with the hopes that I was getting better. And it just made it worse and worse and worse. There's tons of those examples. Yeah. And that's why in recovery, I'd be at a meeting and I would look at people and I'd say, you know, I, I could turn my life over to most of you and you would do better with it than I do. Because it's the best in interest is the dilemma. You're blind to shit because you're looking so fucking hard. Yeah. This is all the obsession and reinforcement of self through the identification as it. Yeah. And in AA, it's a simple step from self to us. It says it in one sentence. It's not like the book of self and then going through 80 exercises, you get to the book of us. No, it's in one sentence. Being convinced self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. Which camp are we in? Even if there's an identification as self, it's based on us, yeah? And there's no identification on us, doesn't take the us away. So the add-on is self. Us is the dominant, yeah? And if I live my life claiming self's manifestations as mine, and when I report on a new sighting of a resentment, and it's always framed my resentment, 
I'm in the act of being identified as something. That something is manifesting through me and I call its manifestations my manifestations. I'm not the head is. And the story is, and all the things you're hearing all day is based on it, yeah? So recovery, we have this fourth step inventory. People go in there with my fears, my resentments, and they leave with my fears and my resentments. Nothing looks at the my. Yeah. The biggest culprit of the resentment isn't the resentment, it's the my, it's the ownership of it. Yeah. A resentment may last an afternoon, not 50 fucking years. It's got to be on life support to live that long. Yeah, 50 years of resentment in the wild, you never see one last more than a day or maybe a, a week or a month or a grudge, you know? But 50 years, like being given mouth to mouth every day, my resentment, you know, that's insane to me. And it's right out in the open. And I was in a group of people that were suffering on so many fucking levels and not seeing the basic root of the problem. And, and no one else was sharing one. So here you go. The act of ident being identified as self. It's an activity. It's not a fact. You never have been, nor will you ever be identified as self. But it's in the act of being already identified as self. In other words, it's basically a fact, bro. There's nothing you can do. So try to get out of it as much as possible. Really, that's what it does. Yeah. You never become self. The head says you already are self. And we believe that. And you know what? If you could never be self, there's huge possibility. Yeah. You already are self, severely limited possibility. If you see it from you already are self, basically the only possibility that I saw was getting out of it by any means necessary. So yeah, I'll shoot that fucking shit up. And I know the cops are gonna be here in the two hours, but it still makes sense. I wanna get an immediate relief and I'm willing to pay any consequence tomorrow what's gonna happen. Cause it's unfucking bearable now. So I'm gonna shoot that dope, have a rush and I'll forget self, yeah very temporarily yeah but it seemed to be worth it when push comes to shove at that moment i would do almost anything to get a little relief from it yeah now i don't do shit to get the internet connection froze for a few minutes but i'll insert uh, one clear phrase you said during that time, you said, what happens is spiritual seeking can really fail you. And that has incredible value because you might start stop trying to become what you already are. Long or whatever for years, but it doesn't seem to. Uh... And it's all based on that assumption. Hope either it's curious when you first hear it but then you find out it's true, yeah? Which is being ourselves reality, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, Mike, you wanna, all right, yeah. So in Buddhism, a lot of it in like Tibetan Buddhism is Dokchen, the great perfection. 
which they talk about relaxed awareness, which is just basically dog shit awareness. Yeah. Uh, the assumption in here is that we are all awake, not as Lily or Paul, but as what we are. And yet, and in here, you can seem to be awake to that idea, that fact, which means it'll appear to be true to you, or it won't appear to be true to you. So you'll seem to be asleep to that fact, but it doesn't change the fact. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't change the fact. The fact is, awakeness is before anything that could fall asleep. Tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to go down the pike a little way that have that possibility seem real. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, uh, you know, who goes to seeing classes? Do you? Seeing, you know, do you try to get more aware? Yeah. Hearing? You know? No, because it's, you have nothing to do with it. Yeah. It's just there. Thank God. Or none of the shenanigans we come up with would have any way to be noticed. Yeah, because they can't appear on them on their own. They only appear to us. Yes. That would imply we have a big role. Yeah. Don't you feel? Yeah. Something like in AA, we have a big statement a lot of the time. People come in and they have the worst thing that ever happened to them. And maybe it was getting pulled over by the cops and going to jail. But people, most, a lot of people have the worst thing that ever happened to them. And if it's been a while since it was crowned that, it's got, it's sort of like a mental altar and a lot of tightening goes to it. And, ah, that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. And then, so you're in recovery for a while and then the mind changes and you see the worst thing that ever happened to you as the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah. You wouldn't have gotten sober unless you got pulled over by that cop and shit like that. Yes. So what was it? Was it the worst thing that ever happened to you and went through an incredible transformation to become the best thing or what it's just basically neutral and you gave it all the meaning it had yeah you gave it as the worst thing ever happened and now you're giving it as the best thing ever happened yeah that's that's not a rare occurrence that's all day all day that's what's going on yeah unbeknownst because see the myopic obsession with the idea of paul we miss out on the real role of production in the dreaming we play we are the dreaming it's a huge it's a huge position in the dreaming that to be the dreaming of it <laughs> wait a minute i thought i was in a dream no you're not in a dream you're the dreaming of it being identified as the object you may come to the idea you're in a dream but that's the dream you're not the dream you're the dreaming yeah, you're not the dreamt. You're the dreaming. Yeah, the dreamt can have a fucking grievance. I didn't choose this dream. This dream is pressing upon me. I don't like this dream on and on. This is the luxury of seeing it from that myopic view of the dreamt. But the dreaming, there's acceptance there. Yeah, there's an acceptance where the dreamt could never reach acceptance. Yeah. There's an acceptance where the dreamt can never reach to that level of acceptance. There'll be an acceptance of the dreamt. Hmm? Not by doing heroic work every day to try to feel better about yourself. Because if you don't do the heroic work, you'll feel terrible about yourself. 
So you're doing a lot of shit out of fear of fearing, feeling terrible. Yes, there'll be an acceptance of all that. Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. And then suddenly, you know, I remember I grew up, my grandmother took care of me, you know, an Irish grandmother. And it sure felt like unconditional love. I didn't have many ideas back then when I was four five years old, but I felt a lot of love for my grandma emanating from my grandma. And a lot, you know, and acceptance was the norm really. And then the head got active and accepted, my grandmother died and stuff. And uh, acceptance was re withdrawn, yeah. And then it became like a commodity I'd have to win by performing well. Yeah, go up to the court every day and show them what I've done or something. And then maybe they give me a, a little bit of okayness, yeah? But most of the time it was never enough. Yeah? And for years I didn't feel, uh, the driven wasn't because I wanted to arrive somewhere. I wanted to get away from something. So. And then, uh, came into recovery and the first real relief was this idea that it's a disease that I didn't do it volitionally yeah my behavior was based on having alcoholism and it went deeper I realized that I wasn't a doer and actually there was a foreign agent in me I like to use the imagery of it like a parasite that was using me basically as a form of expression yeah and that gave me a little relief. But with the idea of non-duality, uh, that urban renewal project called Paul was canceled. And acceptance, just like my grandma, that field I had with my grandmother showed back up. It took me a while. There was actually no need to put a name on it except to share it at talks. But there was an acceptance not coming from any source for this action figure. By that acceptance, I, I could see how much there was like a, uh, a withholding or a lack of permission by this thing that was playing God on my ass. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really like a slavery. Yeah. You're never going to be enough, but you're all that you think about. It's just a weird dynamic. Yes. Yeah. So to have that, it doesn't end the interest leaves it, yeah? You're not that interested in it's playing God, really. It still plays God, but uh, the theater is somewhat empty, so to speak, yeah? So you hear it like a radio in another room, but you're not in a great devotion and listening to it, you're not. And what causes that devotion and listening to it is the identification as it. You wouldn't be interested in Stanley shit as much as your shit because it's not Stanley shit. It's your shit. Theirs is. Yeah. It's not shit that's bothering us. It's our shit. Yes. It's come on. You got to see the extra weight that brings. Yeah. Yeah. So people try to get out of self as self. That's been shown not to work. Why it continues is self isn't seen as self. 
something's called self, but the other aspect of self is called Paul. And Paul, it makes complete sense for Paul to want to get out of self. Yeah. And he'll use drug addiction, he'll use this, he'll use spiritual practices, he'll do whatever he can to get out of self unbeknownst that it's identified as that which it wants to get out of. How is it going to escape? Yeah. From something as that something. I mean, if it doesn't hit your mark, you'll be impelled maybe to get a big smoothie today. I don't know. But for me, I came to satsangs like this and things fell apart. Hallelujah. When they said that, hey, Events are done, you know, deeds are done, events happen, but there's no individual doer thereof. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of thinking, but who says that there's a thinking? Yeah. Stuff like that. So before it was about changing my thinking, you know? Yeah. But never questioning the, the idea of being a thinker, where I found the relief from changing my thinking. there would be a, uh, a modicum of relief, but a lot of work where seeing that I'm not the thinker doesn't demand almost any work. Yeah. And there's a lot of relief. So it's just like there's like an efficacy, like just when I used to do drugs, I was introduced to cocaine, I, I uh, snorted it. Then I decided, hey, I'm going to freebase this shit, yeah, because it's quicker. And then I went to the next quicker stage. I'm going to shoot it up. <laughs> it's just a, it just made complete sense. The relief will hit me cleaner and faster. Why not? You know what I mean? So the same way. All right, work hard, get a little relief. Not work much at all, get a lot of relief. I'm going with the latter. Yeah, just makes sense. You want to open it up? So that, that's the, I try to put it in a recovery box, but yeah. In AA, why service is what? Service is really a way of drawing attention out off of you onto something else. Why is it so important? Because the disease is an obsessive orbiting around this idea of being the doer, the thinker, the feel, the taste, the toucher. Yes, it's just incredible. And it's, uh, if you took x-rays, you would see it. You would see like uh, horizontal rings around people. Yeah. And if you can do something that will pull that attention out of that ring, that's when someone feels available and they sense a presence because they've come out of the ass of self, really. Yeah. But the, the habit of that orbiting is strong yeah because when you try to get out of that orbiting as the source of the orbiting which is the self it's just going to produce new rings yeah this ring will say is far from the other rings but it's of the same quality of bondage yeah so now you can't leave your house because you didn't meditate for an hour that's a form of bondage isn't it Sometimes life demands something up. Oh, I've got to, or my whole day will suck. Who says that? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, 
So service is one of the main things is presented in recovery because of this diagnosis of this obsessive quality orbiting around this idea of self. We've got to do something to have it pulled out. But after a lot of doing something to have it pulled out, there's a state of being of service that you may arrive at, which isn't doing anything, but you're available now and you're present, which makes you of service. Yes? Yeah. So what works in the beginning, it, it elevates in recovery. Yeah? To the point where you'll be placed in a position of neutrality without any thought or effort, where in the beginning, your personal thought or effort is primary, but not as you go through the process. It gets less and less important as you go through the process, not more and more important. So your doing and shit like that gets less important and things now start happening without any thought or effort on your part. Yeah, the problem doesn't exist for you anymore. And if you see the problem through non-duality, it won't exist as you anymore, which is a very, stabilizing force existing not existing for you comes and goes a lot but not existing as you is a pretty sound basis yes <laughs> because if it doesn't exist for you and the, your basis is self it's going to again yeah <laughs> you'll have an experience it doesn't exist for you but you'll have a lot of experiences it does exist as you so you want to get to it doesn't exist as you yeah yeah and there's no and is you don't have to go far to get to it it's already available because it doesn't exist as you. <laughs> how much how, <laughs> oh, i love it i love it so how much how much uh how much how much heavy lifting uh to move to remove what's not there you know do you have to go to war with a non-existent thing no exactly yeah you're existing yeah this mental idea that says you're existing and this is you existing that's a that's a mental imagining yeah that can be easily corrected by a negation of its premise and all of its misunderstandings. That's what non-duality is. It brings all these things we take to be so into stark contrast, so you can get a good view of them, not from them, but from light. Yeah? And see which works, see which holds more water. Yeah, I feel non-duality, that's why it's the last answer in my life, because it's held the greatest water, which is nothing, nothing. It's been completely empty, yeah, which is the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, it really is. So uh, I'm stoked that you came today because I still have a, I have a fondness for the tribe of alcoholics and addicts. And a little bit of interest, I would speak for fucking three days to you. Just a little because the dilemma in, in recovery is the disease talks to us as us and your lack of interest in the solution is coming from a, a defensive strategy of the disease the parasite doesn't want you to get well it doesn't so i've never seen 
the amount of disinterest in something so needed by so many people that I do in recovery. People really, really need it. Give a fucking care Yes. I just watched this thing. I saw it years ago. The meth epidemic. I saw it years and years ago. I think it was done in 2005. It was on Frontline. I was looking on YouTube and I saw it. So I, I was hoping it was an updated one. And I put it on the biggest screen. Amelia's not here in the living room. And I started watching it. And uh, this guy who was a cop in Portland, he decided to start taking like before and after pictures. So these people started getting arrested young on crystal meth and he had pictures of them. And then they got arrested on crystal meth like five years later, three years, 10 years later. And you could see the after and what the fucking shit happened to them. They looked like 30 years older. Unbelievable. Yeah. Something coming in and it isn't the crystal meth. The crystal meth is used to amplify this self, this bondage. Yeah. And what unbelievable the pictures. Incredible. Oh, that's and you know what? You could play that on a screen in a rehab. Fucking the next person seeing that, 20 minutes later is getting loaded on crystal meth. Mind boggling. You would, you know, being sober, I'm like, what the fuck? That should that should be more than enough. No, it ain't. I mean, Amelia's here. She's not a, she doesn't have any problems with uh, addiction, so to speak, with drugs and alcohol. She, she had a strong belief before she met me that no mother would give up their son or daughter for drugs. You know, the motherly instinct would override any of that desire. I said, well, I beg the dip with you, honey. Come with me to some meetings. And then she started hearing the stories about what women addicts and alcoholics had done concerning their children. And she was like, bum fucking away. I said, yeah, exactly. This isn't about will, it's about a hostile takeover. Something is living through you. Yeah. Yeah. And I see, see, that's like a flamboyant little street, crystal meth, maybe selfing went a little too far. But let's rein that back in. You know, we don't want to get too much undue notice, but the bondage of self is fucking way beyond uh, crystal meth effect. Shit. Every second of the day loaded with heavy weight about what's not happening and trying to react to imaginary foes and fucking conditions and circumstances living in a fucking dream world all day. Yeah, no. Crystal meth can't do that justice, can The bondage of self is, yeah. So, all right, we're gonna open up. And if you don't wanna stay, it's fine. We just have a Zoom and we'll talk with them. And if you wanna stay, you're more than welcome. And Tuesday, Thursdays, we do recovery on the Zoom links. Uh, yeah. I don't see much difference between the two. I think, in the beginning, recovery takes the action figure as so, but as you go on, where these things start happening with the action figure having no thought or effort involved in it, the 
action figure gets a little, a lot of dismissed and the Spiros condition is the primary condition of recovery. It's a Spiros condition, not the physical, mental, emotional condition, yeah? Non-duality is just saying that's all there is, is a spiritual condition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we got to take questions and then we'll... Nice out here though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we got, except for a little, and that was great. I did this one time, I was at a recovery, you know, doing the four-step workshop. And we went to a cafe in Fillmore near uh, the dry dock in the city. And we had newcomer and we're talking about, you know, their self and, uh, and what songs on is uh, talking heads. Is this your beautiful wife? Is this your house? And it was like a perfect sink into what was happening at this coffee table. And this was exactly like that. It just blows my mind. The, uh, the flare of grace. It's beautiful. Yeah. Noise. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm going to by hand, but while you're asking a question, I'm going to have it next to you. Oh, sure. To see the thing is there's there's not an identification with what you are saying in the witnesses you are the witness that's the difference so you're not it's not a shift from no. identifying with the ego to identifying with the witness no no there's a recognition first of all i don't like the word ego for it but there's a recognition that you're not something that's constantly being applied to be so yeah and then that's what you are, is to basically the seeing of what you're not. So the awareness of what you're not is what you are. You don't have to be identified as it. Yeah. Yeah. It saves a lot of steps. So this is a seeing of what you're not. And now there isn't like this nebulous you that's up for grabs. And now the consciousness grabs you and you're on its team. No, you are that. There's no two teams. There's just, and this, this, this uh, league was imaginary. So you see, you're not, see, if you think you were in this league, but you were real, and then you want to go to the other league, that's negated. 
amplify this message. No, you're not that. Yeah. So basically, that's the immediacy of being. Yeah. There's no. As soon as you see, you start. See, even when you were seeing what you're not and you were taking yourself to be that, you were still being that, what you are. Yeah, you, there's never been a loss of that. What happens here is attention and interest sort of uh, lends weight and color to the dream. Yeah, so if you're believing that you're the dreamt, the dream, it, it does something to the whole event of, of the dreaming. Yeah. If there's a loss of interest in that, and there's more interest in the dreaming, that allows you to travel lighter through the world of the dreamt, yeah? So there, it's not, uh, you're not like something that's up for grabs, and something had you, and now you're getting free from that, and then something is going to, then you surrender and you give yourself to that. That would be a path of surrendering, but this isn't, non-duality is a negation of, the, of that false noun yeah yes so basically you just see what you're not and that's the finding out of what you are yeah yeah so the identity is only one direction you don't identify with what you are you're that you're identifying with what you're not see that's really there's no identifying with what you are you can't because you are it you'd have to be something else to identify with what you are yeah to identify what you're not, that fits that category. Yeah, it's something else. Yeah, so you're identified as what you are with something else. When that's broken, there's no something else. That's what you are. Yeah. Yeah. So identity is one, it's only, it's one direction. It doesn't go the other way. Yeah. The, the act of being identified is an act the picturing it as something is is on the uh, is on the side of the identified there's no picturing it as anything before it's just an act of being identified as self yeah yeah it's not you doing the act or you shouldn't do the act it's just an act of being identified as self you see you're not the the topic of that whole verbing which is self and then you get a sense that I'm the seeing of all this shit, yeah? yeah? I'm the actual seeing of it. My becoming aware is of awareness, yeah? I'm not becoming aware as Paul. I'm becoming aware as awareness, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's nothing here. There's not two. There's not even one. There's nothing. Ooh, pretty good. <laughs> so, yes. So that's, that's the point. And the head, let's say what you were describing non-duality was that which was identified using the idea of non-duality to do all that kind of shit. Yes, yeah. That wasn't non-duality. That was the head being introduced to non-duality using its idea of non-duality to, oh, no, no, you know, whatever. Yeah, non-duality is a no thing. It's not doing shit. Yeah, yeah. So what you recognize is this happens a lot. So that's a simple uh, way of it. When I first heard this idea, I was living in Australia. It wasn't when I first heard it, but I was in Australia and I was 
I had a girlfriend, Lindley, and she went out with her friends and she said as she was going out, Paul, can you clean up around the house, do the dishes, right? So, I, and I had been reading about non-duality and when she got back home, I hadn't cleaned up and I hadn't done the dishes. And she said, Paul, why didn't you do, why didn't you do the dishes? Well, there is no Paul like that. She said, fuck you, do the dishes. So I had that, that stage of immaturity when I was first introduced to the idea of non-duality, the mental state came up, claimed it and tried to use it for its advantage, yes. But that held very little water and it, because it was so freaking obvious. <laughs> it sort of dropped quickly, yeah? And then you start seeing uh, it's pointless when what you're not tries to use non-duality. Now we have fucking, I forgot we have, we have uh, dog fighting over there. Then there'll be cock fighting at four. And then we got the birthday, it's great. <laughs> and we'll have it out next week outside. Nothing stops individual. <laughs> so yeah, you see, this is just an idea. It's a very disarming one. It doesn't really call you to arms. And but no, this has nothing to do with a critique bad or good of Buddhism. It's just Buddhism is an incredible way of life. Action figures need way of lives. Some of us. I mean, I live the way of life of recovery. Yeah, and it suits this action figure well. I follow suggestions, they turn into habits. I have some principles that have uh, cured the ills of the action figure. Yeah, now uh, non-duality is, a, is, a, is, is almost like a different plate, but non-duality illuminates the path of recovery for me. It brings a lot of light because I am the light, yeah. So this idea of looking for light and looking for clarity, when I am the clarity and the light, that's been dismissed, yeah? So, yeah, so I see we recovery. No one in recovery showed me, talked to me about this that I remember. So, you know, people weren't telling me the my is the problem of, and you know, you, these are not your resentments. I never heard that. So. Yeah, that's Nobody. what I wanted to share. <laughs> I thought it would be helpful. I did. I still do. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, I've never seen anyone who get ad, you know, you can drop an alcoholic into heaven and it will be hell in a day. I mean, the alcoholic mindset is a, can produce some exquisite suffering out of nothing. So any relief that's available, I'd like it to be, to be made available to the people in the program. Yes, yeah. Well, less, the layers uh, become less and less crude and things and, you know, to keep it simple, let's say is, all right, so now you have a simple way of life, but everything that's being done in that simple way of life is being used to imply the doer. So there's still bondage there. The simple way of life isn't going to reveal the underlying causes and conditions. It may make it easier uh, when they are revealed 
to have some change, but I don't, I mean, I practiced a whole lot and I never came through Buddhism and a lot of Vipassana and it never led me to this idea. Yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, keep it simple. But the, the problem doesn't, the problem's nature is not of simplicity. It is, a, it's complex, yes? Yeah. So yeah, I have, uh, I have a problem with that for sure. So we're not supposed to identify I'm not saying you're not supposed to identify, just tell the truth that you're not that which is identified. See, I don't believe you're identifying. The mental state is stating as a fact something that could never happen. It's constantly implying you already are a self. Yes, if you listen to it. Look at there's a simple statement by Hawang Po, a great Zen master, which says, whatever can be perceived can't be perceived, yes? Now, put that there and then listen to your narrative. The narrative is based on the exact opposite. Not your narrative, the narrative of the head is that which is perceived, that can be perceived is what's perceiving. Yes? When they're seeing, don't you feel like it's you seeing? Yes? And how is that you pictured in your memories as a body? Yes? When you're thought about, you're thought about as a body. When you're remembered, you're definitely remembered as a body, yeah? The thought system sees you as a body. That's the assumption. So the whole assumption of that, which we're listening to quite a lot during the day, is that the perceived is what's perceiving, which is completely opposite of what Hoang Po said. So maybe you never heard of Hoang Po and you just assumed, yeah, all is the all as a body is what's doing all the perceiving. Yeah, but now you've been presented another pair of shoes. Try them on, see if they fit. And maybe by them fitting, you see how badly these shoes fit. Yeah, you don't know any better if these are the only shoes you have. But if in another invitation's offered and you try it on, and then you see how uncomfortable these shoes are. Yeah, so. I met a lot of people in AA that's kept it simple and there's still a huge identification of self. Yeah. I do. I mean, so yeah, if you can, if it can be great keeping it simple, then keep it simple. But I think the head has a field day. Yeah. So there you go. And the onions are. The real simplicity is really, uh, I just like the idea of seeing the mind and this sense of ownership that gets thrown around all day. Yeah, you're calling a lot of stuff that's not yours, yours all day, your head is. Yeah, and are there resentments or are they your resentments? It's hugely different. Uh, they don't say in the book, it says resentment. It does not say our resentments. It says resentment is the number one offender. Yeah. How is it the number one offender? My resentment. That's how it, that's how it goes up the fucking charts. A resentment is a resentment. 
But when it's your resentment, it's a different from the beast. It's that simple, yeah. I, I can feel scales of living and I felt the weight of mine, yeah. Part of the scene has almost has a lot of shit gets brought to these scales and I can see it and then I can see it get so much heavier and I can see what's being added onto it to put the weight on it. And I'm telling you, it's this feeling of mine. Yeah. Resentment, my resentment. Fear, my fear. Unbelievable. That's incredible. Yeah. Fear, really, it's my anxiety. I don't think I may I have been scared maybe 20 times in my life. Fear, adrenaline, everything. Yeah, people are are, are living through like mini electric electrocutions all produced by mental anxiety and a huge faith in the mental anxiety. Yeah. They have faith in the thoughts. Why are those faith why is there so much faith in thoughts? Because the health is yours. Yeah. There's a huge amount of faith in you as being this long lasting independent separate thing. Yes. So this is an activity, a simple life may not bring that into stark contrast. You won't see it. It'll hide it. It can hide right out in plain sight. It can hide out in the rural areas and in the urban areas. It can hide, it hide, you know, it hides out in fucking temple sites. Yeah. And up in fucking corporate buildings. It can, it doesn't, uh, a simple life is not, it'll disguise itself in there for sure. You don't see the act of being identified as self. You don't see it until you do. Either you hear about it, either you have a traumatic experience, a white light event, something most people never come out of the trance. Yeah. Simple, complex life, it doesn't matter. There's still, there's a bondage to an idea that the object is the subject. And this is what non-duality is negating. Yes? It's not negating. It's not negating a simple life or a busy life. It's negating the one that's assumed by the claiming of any life. The simple life will be used and be claimed by the mental state to imply you. A complex life will be claimed by the mental state to imply you. It doesn't simple, complex, it doesn't fucking matter. It's gonna, whatever you bring it into contact with, it's going to claim it, yeah? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter, it's in there. You can serve the spirits at the end. Yeah, you see it. See what works for you, yeah. Yeah, now that you have a question. Huh? Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, just tell me, tell me what you said. We're going to get more organized. <laughs> yeah, switching the microphone didn't work. We so. got the bar stool. So this way you can hear him. You won't be able to see him. All right. Anyway, All right. I, I know, who, I know yeah, who he looks yeah. like. Yeah. Yes, John. Unmute yourself, John. Yeah, no, Paul, I just wanted to say um, your point there uh, to let it land. Do you ever remember saying that? Like, just let, let everything land? Yes. Um, I was having, like, a little uh, 
mind storm kind of thing. And I just heard that yeah. voice. It was kind of in your voice, but just let it land. And then everything just dissolved on contact. And uh, yeah. it was just seen as actually not just not me, but not other either. And uh, it's unbelievable how uh, that space is so... It's like you were talking about your grandmother being that unconditional love or that acceptance. That's where that is. It's, it's, you know, it became so clear that that's not in the person. It's not in the mind. It can never come from that. It comes from that. Yeah. That that emptiness. Yeah, yeah. There's no word yeah. for it. I mean, yeah. yeah. But you had a free sample then. Uh, there's there's a, a, a very shiny principle in there, and you'll see you'll see more for it, please, Sam. Yeah? yeah, yeah. If you let things have their five minutes on the stage, they're not going to be like a, a two a, a mini series. They just come to go. <laughs> yeah, it's our yeah. It, it's our not wanting them to land that has them hovering all the time. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah, Just totally. like when you're afraid to be a fraud, you're going to feel like one thousands of times. When there's an admittance, you know, I'm completely fraudulent, then fuck it. Great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I just wanted to, I wanted to thank you for that. That was just great. It was, it was so helpful. Well, that happened with me when I came into recovery. Over time, I realized I had been, I had been, uh, you know, when I was young, I got overwhelmed emotionally when my grandmother and my father died they died the same year and I just got and I went I remember I had a nun called sister Marie Neal and I was out of school for a while when my those two people were ill and stuff and when I came back I had the same seat but now she was miles away when I looked at her I had gone something had just gone into the fucking catacombs of the head yeah and i was only listening to my head completely and uh so from then on a lot of shit that i thought was real i try to make as unreal as possible and the best way to do that so i was never surprised by someone bringing me a feeling was to have a feeling all the time by being loaded yeah so as long as i was loaded when that person who I really loved left me, I wouldn't feel the whole impact because I have this shield of loadedness, yes? Yet you die on, behind it, see? There's a huge cost, but the way it was explained to me, you gotta protect yourself from these fucking, at all costs, yeah? So I came into recovery and I started to let all these things I was trying to make unreal my whole life real. I just let them be as real as they wanted to be. And they showed me their unreality. I had, I had given them a reality by trying to make them unreal. Once I let them land, I'm an asshole for sure. Fraud and all this. It was incredibly uh, pow, you know, just like you just shared. Yeah. So yeah, you let shit land and you realize they don't have the possibility of landing. Everything is moving through like empty phenomena rolling on. Yes, nothing lands. You're the only fucking thing that's stationary. 
you are it. Yeah, everything else is coming and going. Yeah, but if you want to whist, you know, if you want to, you can't, you can't land, then they, they sort of land. Yeah, by hovering and hovering, hovering. If you say, okay, fuck it, tell the truth, I'll make a man, da, 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 it's gone. Yeah, yeah. This is the same thing with resentment. Resentment, I mean, a resentment in the wild, it's exp life expectancy isn't that long, but domesticated and called mine, it can last for 60 years. You don't see, you have a huge role in it. And most people don't see that role, simple or complicated life. They don't see it. They don't. They don't realize you and I are giving everything all the meaning it has. They don't realize you're not in a dream or in someone else's dream. You're the dreaming itself. Yeah. You are that which you are that which never lands or unlands. Yeah. My zipper is open there. Something was trying to land. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, oh, man, so many things. It was exactly that principles happened tons of times with me. Yeah. The, like they used to say, whatever you resist persists. And then you try to you try to not resist, and that's a resistance in a weird way. Yeah. Self can't get out of self. Yeah. I just want to say that that space is all the it's where the forgiveness is. It's where the I don't know, that's where everything yeah. Yeah. comes to comes to rest. And uh Yes. Yeah. Because nothing ever really happened. That's the atonement of the Course in Miracles. Right, the atonement right. of the Course in Miracles is nothing ever really happened to be to be forgiven. That's exactly it. It's before shit. Yeah. That's the reality. This is something that's happening. And even in our own little world, it's going to be forgotten by tonight when you go to sleep. Yeah. That thing that was the worst thing ever happened to you will be forgotten when you're asleep. You'll have to pick it up the next morning. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks, John. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Appreciate yeah. it very much. Yep. Thanks, John. Anybody want to raise their hands? Oh, see. You wanna yeah. you wanna come over? You wanna come sit no, here? No, and, no, no. Yeah. Well then I'll just move this over here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, just uh, further on what uh, John and uh, Paul were saying, that uh, what you resist, you give it reality. I have truly, I, I have been introduced to that idea earlier, and I verified it in my life, that basically whatever I fought, whatever I resisted, I gave it reality, whereas before it was just a theory, possibility. The moment I started resisting it, it became reality and, and you know so uh whereas if i just let it land uh, accept it it just disappears it dissipates so yeah i just want to uh, kind of concur with that you may have a head saying i'm never going to accept but you see you're not that that's the beauty of it see what's telling you you're not sober you see is not you and maybe you'll enjoy sobriety now. Because a lot of people who are sober believe they're not sober because they're going to go out. Yes, they can't even enjoy the sobriety now because their head, they had so much faith in their head. You're not going to last here. You're going to be get loaded. I've seen, I've talked, I've talked at groups and I could see a guy doing it. 
he's, you know, I, I'd say, hey, you know, we're all sober right now. And I could see his head because I'm going to be doing heroin. I'm dead. Anyone else? What time is it? Oh, the other, the other hands. Oh, that would be great. Because I got to let go. I got to unleash the crack. And the dog is flipping out. Was she? Yeah, I can't handle it. She's, uh, she's a handful. So no last, last call hands? Oh, fantastic then. Great. Can we say goodbye to everyone? I missed that. Yeah, it's hard to see out here though. <laughs> Gallery view. Hey, yeah, if anyone wants to donate, Chris, make sure no one leaves without a lot of cash. <laughs> hey, hey, everyone. Nice to see you. Uh, yeah, I can see Stefan and oh, I can see a lot of you. Hold the right side. Oh. Oh. Nice to see you all. Oh, there's my friend uh, from Dover, New Jersey. Nice to see you, Tarek. Everybody. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure. I hope uh, you enjoyed it. Oh, Rich from London. Nice to see you, Rich. We got, uh, we got Kenneth. We got uh, Paul Hedeman's even now. Shit. I haven't seen Paul in a while. Uh, now, Paul is a fraud and an asshole. Yeah. All right, everyone. I'm going to take off. Hey, Jacob, thank you for that lovely art. We'll put it up. Everyone else, thank you. Yes. Honey.